those of us who are <coughs> country music enthusiasts, I hope there's a few of us this morning, should remember the Judd's mother and daughter duo, Naomi and Winona. They had a popular song called Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. That the lovers really fall in love to stay and stand beside each other come what may. Was a promise really something that people kept? Not just something they would say and then forget. Did families really bow their heads to pray the daddies really never go away. Whoa, Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. And some people, some people like to reminisce about the good old days. In doing so, what they, what they like to do when they reminisce about the good old days, beloved, is they like to look at the present day and lament, and lament the present times and decry and bemoan the, and bemoan the present times in which we live. And when they do that, they look back on the quote-unquote good old days, and they look back on the good old days as if they were better times. You hear people talk about it all the time. Man, those were the good old days. Well, I got to be honest with you, beloved. When I look back on the quote-unquote good old days, I remember the old part. <laughs> but I don't always remember, Bob, that good part. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, okay? Don't get me wrong. The good old days, there was some good aspect to it, but it was good because it was just simpler, okay? I think that's what people mean when they say good in old days. It was just simpler because these days are better. It's just more complicated. These days are better. The 70s had better clothes, but these days are better. The 80s had better music, but these days are better. The 90s had better sports teams and better athletes, <laughs> but these days are better. Present days. Our better days, advances in medicine, advances in technology, advances in science. I don't know about any of you. I ain't trying to go back and live in the 50s. I ain't trying to go back and live in the 60s. I ain't trying to go back and live in the 70s. But I will admit, beloved, that these days have their challenges, and there are many. 
And one of the great challenges of our advancing times is the busyness of our times. We are busy people. Busy. It seems we don't have time for anything. We are constantly on the move, seeking more and more ways to move faster and faster and faster. We live our lives, as someone recently said, at hyper speed. Hyper speed. And speed is not always bad. Speed is not always a bad thing. In fact, speed has made our life better in many regards. A faster phone is a better phone. A faster computer is a better computer. A faster car, for the most part, is a better car in the right hands. But you do understand also, beloved, that what is faster is also more complicated. And as our lives get faster, they get more complicated. And as they get more complicated, they get more difficult to navigate. And as they get more difficult to navigate, it is easy to lose sight of what matters most. I was having a conversation not long ago with someone about her life and her work. And she expressed her desire to do better in her life and to do better in her work and, and with the things of the Lord. But she admitted that she just didn't know where to start or what to do. Why? Because she was so busy. She was busy at home. She was busy at work. Her life was already busy. Her life was already complicated. And she just didn't know how to fit into all of that, the things of God on top of all that. Listen, beloved, listen. God did not send his son into the world to make your life more complicated. On the contrary, the Bible says in John 10 and 10 that Jesus came into the world to make life better better. And you know what better means? Better means simple. Simple. Jesus came to simplify your life. That's it. That's what Jesus came to do. 
Believe it or not, Jesus did not come to complicate your life. Jesus came to simplify your life. When Jesus comes into a life, he doesn't come to make the life more complicated. He comes to make it more simple. Because wherever you are in your Christian life, wherever you are right now, wherever you are in your Christian life, guess what? That's where you are. Think about it. Wherever you are in your Christian life right now, that's where you are. Stop thinking about where you were. Stop thinking about where you need to be. Wherever you are in your Christian life, that's where you are. Okay? The reason people get paralyzed and frustrated is because they lament where they were or they, or they get frustrated by where they are not. Think, don't think about any of that. Where you are is where you are. Okay? Don't compare yourself to anybody else. Where you are right now in your Christian life is where you are. You are. Not where I am, where you are. That's the first thing. Okay? Second thing is, where you are in your Christian life, guess what? That's where Jesus is. That's where Jesus is. He is right there with you. He's right there. You didn't hear what I said. Wherever you are, that's where Jesus is. See, you don't have to go up and attain some height in order to get to where Jesus is. Jesus is not up here. You got to read this book. You got to go to this class. You got to read some height in order to reach Jesus. No, wherever you are in your Christian life, that's where you are. And guess what? That's where Jesus is. He's right there. He's right there with you. And then he says, okay, let's start right there. Can he come to make this complicated? Wherever you are, that's where Jesus is. And he says, we're going to start right here. We're going to start right here. Oftentimes, beloved, the Christian life is difficult because we overcomplicate it. Christ says it's not that complicated. Wherever you are, I'm right there. Wherever you want to begin, that's where I begin. And we walk it out together. Wherever pace you move, that's the pace I'm moving. That's the pace I'm moving. 
and I ain't leaving. I ain't leaving. I ain't leaving. Oftentimes, the Christian life is difficult because we overcomplicate it and we make it about a lot of secondary things. Christ comes not to complicate, but to comfort and to declutter our faith. He came to simplify our lives. And that's why we're calling the series Keep It Simple, Saint. Just a real quick Back to Jesus series. And we're going to look at Luke 10 this morning. Kind of an introductory springboard into these other five messages. This is just an introductory message. This one doesn't count. This is free. Okay? This morning, this is free. Okay? This one doesn't count. The five messages are what we're really looking at. This is just the introductory. Okay? This is just the springboard. This is Jesus reminding us that's only one thing necessary as we get into these five principles that we're going to look at. Okay? This is how we keep it simple because there's only one thing necessary. Only one thing is necessary. We're going to keep it simple. Only one thing is necessary. And we see that in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. This is what Jesus told his disciples. This is what he's teaching us this morning. The Bible says in verse 38, On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples stopped by Martha and Mary's house. Jesus and his disciples, they were on their way to Jerusalem. The crowds were growing, and they had sent word to Martha and Mary that they were going to make a pit stop. They didn't have buckies back then. You know, they didn't have buckies. And so they didn't have, they didn't have you know, Golden Corral and any of those things. And so they, to- they sent word to Martha and Mary, we're going to stop in. This was probably a planned stop, and it was going to be a big deal. Martha got word that Jesus is coming. Jesus and the disciples are coming. It's a big thing, anticipated. Many people were going to be there. And it was, Martha got busy and started working, started planning. Sunday dinner at the Binos. <laughs> and it's like you went over there, and I'm telling you, Mrs. Kimberly's going to make sure everybody was welcome. And everybody was taken care of. And it was a spread. And everybody felt good. And you knew you were at home. And that's how Martha was. This was her thing. And everybody felt good, beloved. And that was Martha. 
is full of hospitality, full of warmth, full of welcome. But listen, beloved. Jesus wasn't there for the food. Jesus wasn't there for the food. Jesus wasn't there for the service. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, the Bible says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Martha was busy serving Jesus when actually Jesus had come to serve her. And this often happens in our lives. Okay? This is an honest mistake. Don't bury Martha here. This is an honest mistake. This is a mistake we often make. This is a mistake we often make in our Christian lives. We want to impress Jesus. We not only want to impress Jesus, we want to impress others. We want to show Jesus that we get it. We want to show others that we have gifts and that we have talents. And not only do we have them, but we know how to use them. We know what they are for. We don't want to waste them. We get it. But beloved, listen. Much talent can make us proud. Much talent can make us arrogant. Much giftedness can make us discontented. Notice what she says. Notice what the Bible says. She thought she was the only one serving. That's what much giftedness often does. Much giftedness makes one discontented. Often makes you think you're the only one doing it. Much giftedness can make you think that you're the only one serving. Much much service can make you feel self-important. Tell my sister to help me. Tell my sister to help me. Because much service can make us feel self-important. And what happens? And what happens? And suddenly our service can become a distraction. Suddenly our service becomes a distraction. While, in verse 39, while Mary was sitting and listening to Jesus, Martha was distracted with much serving. 
Martha was distracted with much serving. Question. What was Martha distracted from? Sitting and listening to Jesus. What was Martha distracted by? Serving. Much serving. In the Greek, serving is diakonane. Diakonane. Deaconing. She was distracted by her deaconing. She was distracted by a good thing. Listen. We are often distracted from the greater good by a lesser good. From the greater good by a lesser good. Rarely are we distracted by an evil. It is usually something or someone good who distracts us from sitting, resting, communing, listening, learning, and trusting in Jesus. It's usually someone or something good that distracts us. Like work. It's like work. I can't make it. Why? Because I got work. I don't have time. Why? Because I got work. I got projects I got to get done. I got bills to pay. I need to work. I got overtime I have to get. Why? I need to work. I can't make it to Bible study. I can't make it to church. I don't have time for my devotions. I have time for my quiet time. I have time. Why? I have to work. I'm tired. I have to work. Work is not a bad thing. Work is a good thing. It is not the bad things, beloved, that keep us distracted. It's the good things. It's like, like school. School. Have assignments, homework, exams. I have to study. I can't make it. Where are you? How come you're not here? I had to study. I had my homework. I had my exams. I couldn't make it to the fellowships. These are the things that distract us. Children. I can't make it. Why? Soccer. You got soccer. Volleyball. Basketball. Gymnastics. Football. Did I miss anybody? <laughs> These are the things that distract us. These are the things that keep us. Husbands, wives, deaths. Where you been? My husband died. I can't make it. Divorce. Beloved, 
These are the excuses that distract us from sitting, listening, communing, trusting, resting. from being with Jesus. These are the things that keep us busy. These are the things that keep us running around the kitchen. That's what we're doing, Phil. You're running around the kitchen. And Jesus says, stop! Only one thing necessary. There's only one thing necessary. Stop running around the kitchen. Stop running around the kitchen. Life, beloved, life is filled with people and events. Filled with them. With people and events. And some of them more important than others. I get it. All of them, all of them are of some importance. They all pull on our time. They all pull for our attention. And they will all they will all at some point or another distract you and you will find yourself busy, busy, but not doing much with Jesus. You write that down. Because that was Martha. Busy but not doing much with Jesus. And that's 21st Christian, 21st century Christian. Oh, you busy. We all busy. But you ain't doing much with Jesus. That was Martha. That was Martha. Look at my schedule. I got work. I got games. I got kids. I got a lot going on. Ain't a lot of Jesus in there, Pastor. <laughs> I ain't got a lot of time to sit. I ain't got a lot of time to listen. I ain't got a lot of time to commune. What is the answer to all this? Jesus gave the answer, didn't he? He gave the answer. He gave the answer. He gave the answer to his disciples. He gave the answer to us this morning. And it, founds the, it, it serves and forms the foundation of our series for the next five weeks, beloved. He looked, at, he looked at Martha, and he said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious about many things. You are troubled about many things. But only one thing is necessary. 
Only one thing is necessary. There are many things to be troubled about in this life, beloved. There's only one thing is necessary for eternal life. There are many things that's going to trouble you and keep you up at night. There's only one thing that's going to give you forgiveness of your sins. There are many things, many, many things over which to debate and get your blood pressure boiling. There's only one thing that's going to bring you the joy and the peace that passes all understanding. One thing. And I want you to hear the Lord this morning. As our lives in the 21st century are fast-paced and they are complicated, and I get it. But I want to suggest to you this morning that our Christian faith does not have to be. Christ came to make it simple. Simple. A simple and therefore perhaps a better way of knowing and trusting and resting again in Jesus. Simple. Five ways of understanding that, the Christian life. Number one, a simple faith. Simple faith. Believing in Jesus is not complicated, beloved. God has made it simple. No more bulls. No more goats. No more lambs. No more sacrifices. Christ came once and for all to offer himself up. Our Christian lives, our Christian lives are often like our closets. They get cluttered with the latest fads. They get cluttered with the latest fashions. What's in today is out tomorrow. But Hebrews 13 and 8 reminds us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He is the same. He is good enough for mama. He is good enough for me. Simple. You don't need to chase the latest fads. Stick with Jesus. Simple. That's what we're talking about. Simple faith. Simple faith. Number two, simple prayer. Simple prayer. In Luke chapter 18, in verse 1, Jesus taught that we should always pray. That's what he said, that we should always pray. Now listen, beloved, if Jesus desires for all of us to pray, then it stands to reason that it shouldn't be difficult. If God desires everybody to pray, then it stands to reason that it can't be difficult. It's not rocket science. If he desires everybody to do it. And the best gifts of God are always the simplest one. And there is nothing better or more simpler than just to have a little talk with Jesus. And you can do that every day. 
Beloved, if you know to have a, if you know how to have a conversation on the phone with a friend, you know how to how you know how to pray. He can just have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your troubles. He will hear your faintest cry, and he will answer by and by. It's just that simple, beloved. I know, I know we make it complicated in the way that we talk about prayer and the way that we teach people about prayer and, and the way that sometimes we listen to people and when they pray. Beloved, it is not complicated. Simple. Just have a little talk with Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about. Simple faith, simple prayer, simple devotion. Simple devotion. Many of us struggle. Many of us struggle with just daily spending time with God on a daily basis. Just getting before him on a daily and just spending quiet time with God. But do you realize, beloved, that there is nothing more natural than being with God. Nothing more natural than that. We were created for it. Our hearts are God-shaped. There is nothing more natural than being with God. Your heart yearns for eternity. You have a natural longing for a relationship with God. And God has made it simple because God desires to be with you. He desires that. How do I know? Because God sent Christ to be with you. That's why Christ came. To be with you. And if if that was not enough, you know what God the Father and God the Son did? God the Father and God the Son. Not only did God the Father send the Son to be with you, then God the Father and God the Son sent God the Holy Spirit to be more with you. And then they both said, if you abide with me, I will, he says, in John 15 and 5, abide with you. Being, spending time on the daily with God is simple. It is just recognizing every day that God is already with you. When you wake up in the morning, he's already there. He's already there. He's with you. He has promised to be with you. He's promised to never leave you nor forsake you. It is practicing his presence. It is simply knowing he's already there. Simple, beloved. It's not complicated. It is not complicated. We're going to keep it simple, saints. Simple faith, simple prayer, simple devotion, simple worship. Simple worship. 
Simple worship. Worship is the end for which we have all been created and now, and now we are saved. Simple worship. And in Christ, that worship has been simplified. Christ has come and lifted the veil that brings us into the presence of God where we worship before the face of God. Worship used to be something that was relegated just to the priest. But now the Bible says in Revelation 1 and verse 6 that now we are a kingdom of priests. We come before God and we worship. If you are in Christ... You have access to God. And you can worship him. And nothing that hinders. And nothing hinders your access to the Father. It is just that simple. Worship is the gift that has been given to us through Christ. It is ours. It is just that simple. And lastly, a simple hope. A simple hope. Simple. Simple hope. What the world wants more than anything, beloved, is hope. That's what it wants. They could use a little hope in Gaza this morning. They could use a little hope in the Ukraine. But biblical hope, beloved, is not just the expectation that something good is going to happen. No, no. Biblical hope is the moral certainty and assurance that something good will happen because God said it would. And for the Christian, hope is Simple because hope is everything in Christ. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. His return, his resurrection, his renewing of our things is our hope, our resurrection. Our eternal life. Put simply, we are a people of hope, beloved. Simple hope. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. Every Advent, every Christmas season, Christmas means something for the Christian because it means hope. And it's a simple hope. The hope that God is making all things new. And beloved, the longer that I walk with Jesus, the longer I walk with Jesus, you know what I find? The less complicated I find Jesus to be. I really do. The less complex I find the Christian life to be. 
I really do. I do find Christians make things more complicated. The longer I live, Pastor Phil, the more complex and complicated I find that Christians make things be, but not Jesus. I find that I make my life more complicated and difficult than it needs to be, but not Jesus. I find that Jesus and his grace are making things easier. He's making it easier. Think about it. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. To verse 30, the Bible says, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here is my desire. I want to know what it is to have an easy yoke and to carry a light burden. Jesus said, Is he lying? He says, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Take it. So therefore, Lord, here, I have, I have a, a, I have a heavy burden. I have a hard yoke. Jesus says, okay, I'll take that. You take my easy one. You take my light one. I want to know, beloved, what it is to have an easy yoke and a light burden. Do I have to wait to get to heaven for that? Somebody tell me. Like Martha, I think we carry too much. Martha was carrying too much. We carry too much. We all do. We make it too complicated. We carry too much sin. We carry too much guilt. We carry too much hurt. We carry too much unforgiveness. We carry too much shame. We carry too much regret. We carry too much pain. We're just carrying it around the kitchen all day. Make it all too complicated. 
one of my favorite songs growing up in the church. Some old saints would sing, I'm going to lay down my burden down by, down by the riverside, down by, down by the riverside, down by. No steady war, no more. You just sing that, and I'm thinking they're talking about going to heaven. And I'm thinking, why we got to wait to go to heaven to lay the burden? Beloved, the ease of Christianity is that Jesus has come to take our burdens. He has come to carry our burdens, but not just the burden of sin, but the burden of worry. Not just the burden of worry, but the burden of hurry. And to make it simple. And to remind Martha, and to remind you, and to remind me, it's not about you. It's about him. Stop thinking the Christian life is about you, Martha. It's about him. Stop thinking the Christian life is about you. It's about him. And one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary, Martha. One thing. And I got a hashtag for it. I got a hashtag for it. That's a hashtag for the series. Martha, let Jesus Can you do that? Can you do that, Sheena? Can you do that? Can you just... Can you do that? Can you just let Jesus love us? That's what he wants to do. Just stop. he's saying to you. Brandon, here's what the Lord's saying. Stop. Slow down. Sit. Listen. Let Jesus love you, brother. Let him love you. That's what he does best. Beloved, it is just that 